0: Hello and welcome to the Guernsey Press Sport Podcast. Coming up on today's show, against the backdrop of booming participation, we speak to Ireland men's captain Dave Jeffrey about the prospects for Guernsey's elite golfers this summer and ask him to build his dream local player. More on that to come. We'll also check in with Kobo and Ireland cricket captain Josh Butler, head of the start of the weekend championship on Saturday. And we'll look ahead to what else you should be keeping an eye on over the next seven days. I'm Tony Kerr and alongside me, as ever, Rob Batty. Hello. And Gareth the Prevot. Hi, Tony. And we'll start, as ever, with our moments of the week. Uh, Rob, let me come to you first. A certain Sylvan striker has got you purring this week.
1: Oh, for sure. I mean, what a, what a performance by Carl Smith it was on St Peter's and on Tuesday night. Um, there wasn't too much between Bells and Sylvan's in the FA Cup quarter final. But Kyle Smith scored four absolutely fantastic goals, particularly um, goals one and three, one where he was raced onto a, a really beautiful chip over the top from Seb Smead. And on the run, he just, with the outside of his right foot, clipped it over the top of Tom Bruley, who is not a uh, insignificant size in the Bells goal, but clipped him perfectly and it just sailed just underneath the bar into the, gut, into the net. Um, second was a great, Great goal as well, put through and from 25 yards absolutely hammered it past Bruley. The third one, again, pushed through on the left hand side. Looked to be the danger, looked to be alleviated really as he was sort of forced towards the corner flag. And from nowhere, he belted this thing in at the near post high into the top of the net before anybody could move. It was a staggering goal. The fourth one was just good finish, but uh, I've never seen anything like it. Um, I was trying to think back whether there was a similar sort of performance of anybody scoring four goals in the same game of the same quality. And um, Paul Degare, um, Sylvan's coach, came back to me and said, Ah, it must, how about Kevin Letitia? It reminded me of Kevin Letitia at his peak playing for North. And I said, Yeah, yeah that may well be, Digo. I said, But the trouble is, I never saw Kevin Letitia play for North. And he said, what do you mean? I said, Rex always took every single North game when he was at the press before he retired. (laughs) And so I never got to see Kevin play in any time he played for North other than when he played for Guernsey, really. And... um, (laughs) Which is incredible to think about. And I also said at the same time, I really don't know how good Grant Chalmers was either, because for the same reason. You know, <laughs> know, um, Boral Rex, who was um, obviously a great servant of local football and a fantastic football reporter, he did have a thing about North um, and regularly t- reminded people that he wasn't biased, he didn't care who the North beat. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Well, I mean, yeah, that's quite some comparison Then, obviously, Kevin someone somebody figured very highly in our top 100 count. But I'm
1: not joking. They were absolutely, seriously good finishes. Really, really top quality. And when Carl is on, on form, he is some player.
0: Well, fantastic. Wish I'd seen those. Uh, Gareth, your moment of the week?
2: Yeah, it was going back to last Saturday when um, in the hockey, um, Indies were going to try and um, make history by winning 16 out of 16 in their season. And to be honest, I I thought they were going to be pretty strong favourites to do it against casuals. Um, And with casuals, didn't have an an awful lot to play for other than pride. But blimey, they put together a hell of a performance. And... um, they, they ended up winning the game 3-2 with a last-minute um, short-corner drag flick. And, and I know you came along, Tony, to film the what we thought might be a bit of history. It ended up being um, casuals, basically being the party poopers for Indies. But Chris Lowen, who is sort of one of the specialist drag flickers over here, there's not many of them, but um, uh, casuals actually have two. They have Chris and uh, Alex Bushel. And sort of when they got awarded a, a short corner in the last minute, Alex Bushell trots up from the back and he basically got sent back by Chris and said, nope, this is mine. And he uh, perfectly executed it. It flew in and it was just uh, it, it was met by quite a raucous cheer from the crowd. I think there was quite a few um, sort of supporting casuals on the day, but it was for... For the um, for an end of season, which I thought might be a bit of a sort of like a one sided affair, it turned into a really good match
0: and finished in real <laughs> dramatic style. It was a very lively conclusion to that game. the the, the crowd on the the balcony. Obviously, there's always a, a convivial atmosphere down there at the hockey club. Um, there was always sort of a pantomime feel. There was kind of a baying for blood at the end. Cards were flying everywhere.
2: Yeah, there was a few villains in the, in the piece. Um, Tom Still Actually, it's such a rare occurrence to see a red card brandish in a hockey game. It's very Very, very unusual. Um, Tom still got it for a a second yellow card um, stick tackle offence. And um, I think afterwards, um, umpire Stuart Perfect even said to me he couldn't remember actually ever delivering a red card in a game. It's that unusual. But uh, no, it was a really um, dramatic game. And uh, it was a nice way to end the league season. Obviously, Indies were very disappointed not to get the 16 out of 16. But I mean, they were very deserving champions over the season. Um, but no, it was great to see casuals put up such a fight in in sort of that game when they didn't really have an awful lot to play for, but they certainly celebrated well afterwards as well.
0: We're talking about season conclusions. Um, there was uh, a pretty big match to decide the Premier Division netball uh, in midweek. Uh, winner-takes-all clash between um, Blaze and Resolution Green, and it was Resolution Green who... <laughs> Who uh, triumph there quite convincingly in the end um, to claim the title, defend their title, and actually uh, kind of mark their tenth anniversary as well with the title, which is uh, which is nice to see. So congratulations to them. And yeah, it was quite a big margin for a match that, that perhaps could have gone either way. Yeah, it was um, it was.
2: Uh, 44-27 I believe uh, Green won and it, it was certainly it's a match which um, Jamie who covers the netball for us he's been he's been looking forward to a long time it's been earmarked in our diary for about a month the fact that it was a winner takes all title decider coming up so um, yeah we were certainly expecting a, a close encounter but obviously resolution were well up for it on the night and um, they
0: came out deserving winners by a relatively comfortable margin really well congratulations to them uh, right coming up in part two we'll be talking golf with Ireland men's captain Dave Jeffrey. Welcome back to the Guernsey Press Sport Podcast. Great to have you on board. Now, if you've been listening over the last couple of weeks, you'll know the island's top male golfers got the chance to kick off their season with a brand new tournament supported by the Guernsey Press. Uh, the Guernsey Press Elite Men's Foursomes Championship, which was won um, by Jake Marshall and Jez Nikarl after a couple of tricky days of weather down at Lancres, uh, was put together by Ireland men's captain Dave Jeffrey. Uh, Gareth and I caught up with him to reflect on that competition and how Guernsey's men's team is shaping up ahead of the return, hopefully, of interinsular competition later this summer. Well, Dave, thanks very much for coming
3: in. How are you? Fine, thank you. Yeah, thank you very much for having me.
0: Excellent, excellent. What kind of enthusiasm is there around for for the season as we uh, as we get going?
3: I think everyone's keen to keen to get going. Obviously, people can't get off the island yet, um, so I think the anticipation's been building um, to really get going through club competitions.
0: We've got hopefully an interinsula to look forward to at the end of the summer. Talk us through your sort of your, your, your mindset. Obviously, we didn't have that competition last year. Um, are You sort of itching to to get this this team together and and kind of progress towards towards that inter
3: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, two coming up, hopefully the seniors, middle of August, the men's uh, second weekend in in September. I think everyone wants to get it played and I I really hope they can be played. Um, Obviously, since last time, uh, when we won the men's event, we've got a couple of good golfers, scratch golfers coming through. And also with the seniors, we've got a couple of guys coming of age who have turned 55. So I think we are going to be quite strong uh, across both teams
0: and that elite men's foursomes championship was was a part of getting the team ready an early start do you feel like things are coming together quite nicely
3: yeah I mean it is early season so things will probably change and form will dip and peak as we go through the next couple of months but yeah the, the, the foursomes event was, was really good in in showing me how certain pairings may gel come come August said. And, September.
0: and where do you feel like golf is coming out of this, or hopefully coming out of the pandemic? Um, in some ways, it, it, it kind of, it's, it's interrupted, you know, what you would usually have done, but actually it's probably brought a lot of people into the sport.
3: Yeah, I mean, certainly locally on Ireland when trying to sign up for competitions down at the Raw has been an absolute nightmare. I mean, normally you'd get X amount of members off Ireland, um, but literally everyone is here. So we're, we're seeing 180 plus for each competition. So at a local club level. I think it's been a positive, Um, if you can claim a positive from COVID. That is one of them. Um, Moving forward, I'm sure people will drift off on holidays as as they normally would. Um, But at the moment, it's very much club level. Uh, Everyone wants to play as much as possible.
0: I know, Gareth, you were covering that... um... That competition the other weekend, three hundred and twenty players involved.
2: Yeah, the Open foursomes full field, almost and more. Um, it's it's one of those things that, like you say, Dave, the the pandemic has sort of been a bit of a double edged sword when it comes to the golf over here because the participation has boomed because of it. Um, at the very top end, the sort of like the players you're in charge of, might have you, there's there's the lack of that inter-island, not just inter-insular, but the inter-club stuff against people like Lemoy and um, and the Royal Jersey. Um, Was that something which also was part of your thinking towards having the elite men's foursomes as well?
3: Yeah, I mean, a a lot of the better players tend to put their clubs away end of September, October time and don't really bring them out again until March. Um, So it it was quite important to get something early in the season, to get them out there, get the interest, get the focus uh, moving through the summer. And I think it, it certainly achieved that. Is there anything that um, sort of in the few days since it happened, I mean, it was
2: very well received at the time, but have you had any sort of ideas and feedback as to how that might
3: grow in future? I think really I'd like to see more, just more pairings in it. Um, We've talked about maybe um, obviously opening up to more seniors, more men, but maybe a modest entry fee, better prizes. One suggestion was a boozy dinner the night before. Um, like before? We, we, the, the night before. Yeah. Uh, one suggestion was yeah, a boozy dinner the night before, and then a random draw for pairs. Uh, so I mean, I, that, that's that's certainly one idea we can consider. But um, the main thing I'd like is to see more pairings next year.
2: Without wanting to put you on the spot too much, was there any particular reason why you put certain pairings together? I mean, there were a couple of interesting ones. I was quite interested to see certainly um, sort of like a couple of the youngsters put with far more experienced players.
3: Yeah, I mean, you know, take young Ollie, for example. Um, for a while now, I've seen Arthur or considered Arthur to be the ideal partner for him. You know, steady off the tee, all-round game, really. Uh, very similar to Oli. Um, so I think those two could gel in foursomes or four ball. Um, CJ is a little bit different. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, very talented young golfer, um, but certainly needs that sort of calm, steady influence uh, alongside him. Now, I put him with Grigsey. Um Griggsy's as relaxed as they come. Probably doesn't even know where he is, or <laughs> not, not alone <laughs> CJ. So um, again, I, I thought those two gelled pretty well. Uh, you know, the two winners... Jez and Jake. I think I said at the time that if you'd have asked me to name a winner at the start of the tournament, I probably wouldn't have picked no. those two. Um, but but you know the the two youngsters they grew up in the juniors together and they they, they played very well. So it, it's nice when those things happen by chance and you actually you, you maybe have a very good pairing going forward now.
2: And looking a bit more at the bigger picture, I mean the foursomes is something sort of you came up with with Jeff Davis' um, idea as well, but. Um, as Ireland c- captain, as, as your title is officially, I think, um, the actual role has evolved a lot, hasn't it? In sort of recent times, yourself and Danny Vennard. in the old days, it almost used to be perhaps a case of just selecting the inter side. Nowadays, you, you've sort of got these innovations, like the Scratch League came a few years ago, now you've got
3: the foursomes. Um, is that something you've deliberately tried to sort of evolve in your time? I think you try and be a bit more hands-on rather than just sort of step into the role early August, pick a team and then go off and play it. Um, you know, Danny was the one who was behind creating the Scratch League, um, along, with, along with the Guernsey Press, obviously. Um, and that does involve you sort of being on hand, being on the course. Um, each time there's a match, So you know, the involvement probably starts around May time. Uh, and moving forward, we'll probably start earlier now if, you know, when we continue with the Elite foursomes League. So it, it pretty much is a, a full season role, if you like.
0: And you've been involved in golf in the island now for for several years. Uh, you know, we talked about the youngsters, you know, on the podcast last week, and you know, you mentioned Ollie Chedham there, and and the guys that won as well in that foursomes competition. How um, how, how pleased are you with you know the, the way that the system is now kind of producing these these young talented players?
3: We've got a very good junior setup um, on Ireland. Jeff Troop does a lot of hard work. Uh, along with the GGU, um, you know it's probably wrong just to include Ollie and Young Rory. They're, they're the two standout players on on handicap, um, but that there are a number of good youngsters, boys and girls, you know, who who will hopefully in the next few years come through as, as very talented golfers. Next
2: week already is the Ireland Men's Championship, um, something you take part of part in as well. Um, is there any? Would you ex- are you looking at anyone in particular, thinking they've got a good chance, or? Um, do you fancy your chances in that
3: well I am booked for my Covid jab next week so I'm I'm going to get (laughs) my my disclaimer in early I'm probably going to be injured so (laughs) that may hinder my chances Um, it's going to be the same names I would expect to get through the top 16 qualifier you know Tom's defending champion Danny's won it multiple times Um, you've got the likes of Ollie, Jez uh, Grigsey Danny Besson Steve Jamie all the the normal candidates Uh, I, I expect a normal roster of, of players going through the top 16 as for the winner I, don't, I can't really pick a winner at the moment they're all at a similar level now and whereas before go back three or four years you'd have two or three people you'd think oh it's going to be bobby it's going to be danny i think there's probably you know eight players who could realistically win it
2: also looking ahead a bit further ahead hopefully you'll still be in the role in a couple of years time but we've got a home island games to look forward to um What would you assess our sort of medal chances in in the men's side of things there? Mm.
3: Yeah, I mean, if I don't upset too many people between now and then, (laughs) I hope hope to still be in the job. Um, Again, it really depends, I suppose, on whether we'll go for a one-course or two-course rotation, and that will largely be dictated by the new development down at Mar. Hopefully, the course will be up and running by 2023. Um, And that that will really shape the team, I think, because if you have to pick four players to play well over both courses... um, as any captain will be looking, I think, at players who play Le Grand Mar. Um, And that, again, brings in people like Ollie Chedham uh, and also Jeremy Nicol, who's joined down there and and seems to play the course pretty well. Mm. So you will be looking for four players who can compete across both courses, not just at Lancrest. Before we let you go, I know
0: uh, Gareth composed you a little conundrum, a little, uh, a little bit I'll of gave homework. Him some homework to do. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Gareth, um, just
0: explain, the, explain the challenge.
2: Yeah, it was, it was something that I just sort of. It was actually listening to a podcast which Sky Sports did with. Um, Pete Cowan, the, the um, very highly decorated coach. Um, but um, it got me started thinking who would be sort of g- the best composite Guernsey golfer if you sort of uh, put a different golfer in each ab- attribute, sort of driving the ball, iron play, short game, putting and sort of mentality as I've sort of put it down as. And if you could only pick one local player for each facet of that game, um, who would Dave go for? And I know he's been f- f- mulling over this for a little while now. I don't know what he's come up with. I'm very
0: interested to find out. Go on, Dave, take us through it.
3: OK, well, excluding those present in the room, uh, <laughs> well, of course. So uh,
0: I, my short game is not too bad, to be fair.
3: My mentality is quite good. <laughs> so, so the first category I was going to consider was driving. So so driving, driving a golf ball comes with length. L- length is key with driving a golf ball. Um, and there's many names that you could consider. Um, and I, I should just say at this point that I'm only considering the golfers that I've sort of played with over the last 10 years. I, I've heard great things about the Dave Wars and the, the Dave um, Rollinsons of the island, but but this is very much the guys that I've played with over the last 10 years. And and there's one man who will always tell you about his length. Uh, and it's someone I've always watched and thought, crikey, he hits a good, a good long ball. And it's almost effortless as well. And that's Danny Bisson. Um, there's other players you could put in there: Tom Le Hure, uh Danny Blondell, Jeremy, CJ. But when Biss hits the golf ball, it, it's effortless. He's got a big, big frame, wide shoulders, and it's just a smooth wind up, and you know, banging and it, and it goes absolutely miles. And, and I've played a couple of matches in the Ireland Championships against him. He was playing four iron for safety off the tee, and it was still going up to or past you know one of my decent drives. So in terms of driving and length of a tee shot, uh, I'd probably pick. Biss. The funny thing with Biss, he doesn't actually hit driver very often, does he? Well, he doesn't need to. No. Um, he,
2: he has a, he, I know he's got a sort of like a driving iron, yeah.
3: one iron, which goes an absolute mile. Yeah, it does. And, uh, and just, just the other night in the Scratch League, you, you, a lousy tee shot on the first. And had a good 130, 140 yards left, I think. And I saw what club he pulled out of his bag. It looked like a 50 degree wedge. And, you know, normal swing. Didn't look like he was forcing it. And, you know, straight out in the middle of the green. So, you know, driving in length, I'd go for Biss. There we go. Who are you handing the irons to? Right, iron played Two players who I've always thought were very good ball strikers. And when you play an iron shot, it's all about ball striking. Uh, and those two are Danny Blondell and Jack Mitchell. Jack's not playing so much these days due to... Um, I think he's just had a, had a kid. Um, but certainly Danny Blondel. People say with Danny Blondel that you can have one player... It may, it may have been you, Gareth, who said this. If, if you had one local player warming up on a professional practice range, a practice ground... Um, he's the one player you'd think was actually a professional. He wouldn't. He wouldn't stand out like a like a rank amateur would. Um, really strikes the ball, fizzes the ball. Quite mechanical in his sort of setup and uh, sort of pre-shot routine. But in terms of iron play and, and striking of a golf ball, I'd probably give it to Danny Blondel. Funny enough, I matched you on that one because I, I sort of chose
2: mine and I had Danny down for that. Who time. did you
3: have for driving?
2: Um, I had it down as I did actually have Biss um, uh, down. Uh, I also had Griggsy down Daniel Griggs who's into his 50s now but he he doesn't miss fairways uh, and that's he puts it in the right place pretty much every time he is sneak he's sneaky long yeah. Griggsy I I haven't actually played a great deal with Griggsy uh, funny thing is the best ever driving display I've seen which is when you were Ireland captain a couple of years ago was um Jeremy Nicol in the four balls of the Ireland game but the, you have to take into account he was playing alongside Bobby I think in the four balls and so when you've got Bobby playing next to you, you can almost go hell for leather because yeah. you, you know you're going to have some backup from your partner. And Jez just decided to take driver virtually every hole and he nailed it virtually every hole. And it was amazing to see. But, um, yeah, it was on, you
3: have to take it into account the actual um, the format he was playing at the time. I mean, in terms of length, you're right. You've got Jeremy, you've got CJ. Um, there's a couple of other youngsters who hit the ball an absolute mile. When they're hitting it, they're normally three feet in the air. Biss is is controlled. He, he, he's grounded. It, it's just a big full shoulder turn, and, and, and off it goes. Um, yeah. Or well, Danny Blondel was pretty much the obvious one for iron play.
2: The fact that his nickname is Munch, which is to do with the backspin he gets, is um, probably tells the whole story.
3: Um, short game. Short game. So short game. Obviously, just chipping. I've, I've, around the greens, and for me, there was one standout um, player here, and that was Jamie Blondel, and I think there's not many people who would disagree with that um over the years you can see why him and Steve Mayyer have formed such a good partnership in the in the foursomes and the four balls uh, in the intra match if you miss a green you know Jamie's up and down uh, all day long good good putter as well but you know 50 yards in side of a green bunker shot, he, he's fantastic around the greens so Jamie blondell a standout candidate for me
2: Jamie was it was the first name down on my list as well but uh, it's funny enough when I was thinking sort of short game you got Jamie stand out um you can't rule Bobby out of any of the facets of the game, to be honest. i coming on to Bobby. Yeah, well, well, we'll come on to him as well. <laughs> well I'll come on to him as well. But um, funny enough, the rest of the short game people, uh, most of them are pretty young to me. I think it's the fearlessness of just being able to sort of play these shots. Sometimes, almost as you get
3: older, certainly I've, as I've got older, I've, I've probably got worse in the short game. It's funny how it works that way. I think when you're 18 or 20, you haven't hit enough bad shots to lose tournaments. Whereas once you get to 40 <laughs> and 50, you remember all the bad ones. You see that. And like you say, you. You, you do seize up. You're working. You know. You, you do get the, the jitters around the greens, um, and you adapt your game to it. You know. I've I've started putting from 30 yards off the green now. <laughs> That's it, yeah. You know, j- just to guarantee getting it on the green. Um, but but some of the kids now just open up the fl- open up the face on the blade and pop it up. I think the kids look to hold these shots, whereas yeah. now, when you get older, you're just sort of trying to make sure you get down in two rather than well, hold or, or shots, three, or three. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Take whatever
2: you can get. Right. So, and then once we're on the green,
3: um, putting, who who would you yeah. go on for? I mean, in you can't it? you can't have this list without Guernsey's greatest ever golfer, which of course is is Bobby Ego, Walker Cup player. Uh, I had the privilege of playing against Bobby. I think in a quarter final of the Island Championships quite a few years ago. Um, beat me comprehensively five and four, but it, it was his, his all-round game, and you probably could put Bobby in every category we've mentioned. Uh, he's obviously not as long as he, he once was, but in terms of putting, everything from four feet, 10 foot, 15 foot, 25 foot, if it wasn't in, it was grazing the hole. Um, and his iron plays as well was such that he was using the slopes of the green to bring it down, to leave himself the easier uphill putt. So, uh, yeah, Bobby's putting. And you you could also put Charlie, Mickey Marley, in in a similar category um, as Bob. Both very, very good putters. But even now, you go back a year, Bob's handicap was plus two, I think. And and you can't attain that handicap without being very, very good uh, on the greens. Certainly Bobby was down on my list.
2: I also had down... I had Jez Nicol again, actually. I think he holds putts at important times. He's a good clutch putter and um, young Ollie Chadome I think has probably got the best putting stroke I see over here to be honest he's just he, he's another one who basically always
3: scares the hole if he doesn't hold it I've kept the youngsters off this list to give them something to aim for <laughs>
0: yeah, in,
3: in, yeah, so, so when, we do, when we do this chat in two or three years time hopefully they'll be taking the places of, of, of the guys I mentioned earlier But in terms of, I mean, I've called it
2: mentality, but um, it was like the extra facet I added to give you this, like like an attitude or just brains on the course, perhaps. I don't know,
3: however you want to see it. See, I've, the last category, I've sort of put the man you'd want in the dressing room, the the team spirit, the camaraderie. Um, And there's one standout candidate for me, and he's a gentleman who players on both sides, absolutely love. I, I haven't heard anyone have a bad word to say about this chap. And that's Vodes. Uh, Big Nige Vodin. Uh, lovely guy. You know, I've got the privilege of, of playing with him in the um, Scratch League foursomes. I've played all, all last season with him. Uh, and, and he played in the 2019 Intrinsular team that won round Lancrest. And we also picked him to go away for the Hampshire County match. And at 55 or 56, that's, that's quite an achievement. And, and he, he, he was there on merit. He was down to scratch. He played very well all season. Um, and he actually won the MVP, that the, the sort of player of the tournament uh, in the match. You know, match. He, he's a guy who will have fun before a game, on the golf course, as laid back as you like. Um, and, and we all know what he's like after a match as well. <laughs> and, and, but, he, but he's someone, it doesn't matter what age you are, you could be coming into the team at 16 or coming in at 40... He's the sort of chap who'd put his arm around you, you know, calm you down and, and you can use him as a role model, really. And you need that. I mean, golf is an
0: individual sport, but when you come together as a team, that's crucial.
3: It is. I mean, I remember 2019. It's the first time Vodes has ever left a bar at five o'clock. Um, but he, he was over the moon at the way he played. Like I say, it wasn't easy for him at 55 or 56. Uh, won the MVP. And I think he was he was genuinely choked up at, at winning that award as well. Um, but it, like I say, it was on merit. He did really well, and he's the guy I would want in the team room for, for, for team spirit and camaraderie because he he will lift everyone around him. Now it's very good call. I,
2: yes, I had him down as my social secretary for this. Also <laughs> <God, laughs> we'll an important role. Whether he'd arranged an awful lot, I don't know. But <laughs> you know, you'd have a good time anyway. Absolutely, you would. In terms of um, just perhaps on-course mentality, and perhaps terms of competitiveness, I was going to mention a couple of the others who recently made it, sort of like interinsular squads and what have you, and that is uh, Arthur Evans, who's a, just, just a hell of a competitor, and also um, Roland Mills, who just, he almost belie. he hasn't got the lowest handicap, but
3: he is one hell of a competitor. I think it's no coincidence that they're both South African. Yeah. So it, it must be in the genes, I think, yeah. but... but uh, well-known, both of them, for being gritty, determined, you know, never give up. And, that, and that's the sort of spirit you want in, in, in a golf team, when, when, particularly when you're going away from home. It's going to be difficult. You want guys who are going to dig in uh, and try and get a result for you. And though, uh, you know, Roley did it very well in 2019, he, one of the standout performers that weekend. Arthur, unfortunately, missed out because he, he went on holiday in the build-up to the match. But I, I, I expect both of those to be very close or, or certainly in selection uh, this year.
0: Well, fantastic. I mean, if you can blend some of those uh, component parts together into a team of golfers, I think if I could well in your way.
3: If I could have 10 of those, <laughs> we, we would do very well indeed. But I mean, just, without giving anything away just the other day, I was jotting down just some names, as I do now and again, for the men's and seniors team. And certainly for the men's team, I had 17 or 18 names who could quite easily make that top, top 10. Um, and in years gone by, you'd have... You know, the same old names every year it was certainly the same eight uh, we, we, we've genuinely this year I think got real competition for places in that team
0: Brilliant, well thanks very much for coming in we'll be following all the action closely as ever uh, Yeah. Cheers
3: right. Dave Thanks Dave Thank you, Thank you. Island Men's
0: Golf Captain uh, Dave Jeffrey talking to me and Gareth. And uh, Gareth, your composite golfer actually kind of married up quite well with uh, Dave's.
2: I've really enjoyed doing that, actually. It was something um, I did suggest to Dave sort of his best part of two months ago now, and he got really into the idea of sort of putting together a composite golfer. But um, uh, when I sort of sat down to do mine, it was a case of I had these five facets, and it really was a case of, right, where are Bobby and Danny Blonde are going to be in this, because those two are sort of like the two that had to be in it. Um Bobby is just, I mean, as Dave said in his piece, he, he played Walker Cup golf, which to anyone uninitiated is sort of the top level you can get to in, in amateur golf. It, it's, it's perhaps a bit unappreciated how good Bobby, well, still is, but was at his peak. He was a fantastic golfer and just one hell of a match player. And the great thing about Bobby is when you go and watch him, the bigger the crowd gets, the better he gets. He just loves performing in front of a crowd. And yeah, Danny is almost taken on the mantle now. The thing with Danny Blondel I find these days is um, how hard the matches are for him. Because everyone raises their game against Danny. He's like the man to beat now. And just in this past week in the Scratch League, um, CJ he sort of rocked up. Wasn't really expecting an awful lot, but he performed so well. I think because he was playing Danny and. Unfortunately, Danny has to put up with that these days, but um, he still manages to produce the goods on many an occasion. But I think Dave thoroughly enjoyed doing the composite golfer, and I'm sure he gave it an awful lot of thought as well.
0: Yeah, perhaps it's a feature that we can uh, kind of turn to some other sports as we move through the podcast. Well,
2: yeah, we might look at perhaps people, guess getting their best teams together, depending on what um, sport they're involved in. But uh, I start thinking about sort of the best cricketers I've seen and things like that. So we we could um, develop this over some time.
0: Yeah, brilliant. Well, it is going to be an exciting summer for golf, hopefully and, uh, with that exciting turn to competition against Jersey to look forward to at the end of the summer. Um, you mentioned cricket there. Not so much look forward to you now, um, certainly from an island representative um, perspective with the news that, that Guernsey's men's tournament in Finland has been cancelled.
2: Yeah, it's a shame. I mean, I think that was pretty much expected with the way things were going. But um, the ICC sort of held off as long as possible to see if they could um, fit in tournaments somewhere along the line. But it, it's just not going to prove possible with just the different state of play in, across Europe. Um, but yeah, it does mean that the Guernsey men's team are now sort of on the lookout for fixtures. They haven't really been able to played against the Isle of Man last summer which was nice for them to even get just those couple of games in Um, I'm sure they'll be looking to see what transport links will be open to them this summer to try and get some action for our for our best
1: players, it would be good if we can get the um, Channel Island League as well, of course.
2: Yeah, um, hopefully that will come about. Um, a lot now depends on how Jersey's uh, representative fixtures shape up because Jersey are due to host um, a World Cup qualifier in sort of September time. That might well still go ahead. Um, it's a bit further down the line and it's a very important competition for the ICC. So I imagine Jersey would be looking for competitive fixtures, both club level and probably representative level ahead of that. So hopefully we should be getting some inter-Ireland games by sort of July, August, fingers crossed.
0: Yeah, we'll wait and see what happens with that. In the meantime, domestic cricket is kind of getting into full swing uh, after the sort of weather delay of last weekend. Uh, The Odie Wealth uh, Weekend Championship starts this weekend uh, on Saturday with uh, two games, obviously Wanderers and Regulars against Coburg, the KG5 and the OE Association. Making their debut in that new is taking on Griffins at the College Field. Six rounds of fixtures um, in that competition, finishing so towards the end of June. And then the Evening League One starts on Tuesday night. Griffins taking on Irregulars, uh, with Cobo facing Optimists on Wednesday. And in Indies taking on Wanderers Rovers on Thursday. Ten rounds of fixtures in that competition finishing mid-July and every week it'll be Tuesday Wednesday Thursday so hopefully lots of cricket to look forward to and that we Gareth caught up with uh, Ireland captain and Kobo captain and KG5 groundsman uh, Josh Butler uh, a couple of weeks ago in much better conditions uh, out on the Legends Terrace none of the rain uh, that we've got at the moment although I'm sure he'll be quite pleased to see that because it at that point, it was um, sort of drought conditions down yeah, there. Yeah,
2: I know that both Josh and um, Stu, my brother down there at the KG5, were desperate for rain. It's sort of come at just the wrong time, really, just as the cricket season's due to start. If it had come a fortnight earlier, I think I'd have been absolutely delighted. But it is what it is, but uh, certainly the ground needs it. So um, hopefully um, it will clear by, by Saturday.
0: Well, let's hear what Josh had to say then about the uh, domestic season uh, this year and the sort of things he's looking out for. Josh, first of all, just
4: give us a sense of, uh, of yeah, how
0: excited you are to be back on the eve of the new season.
4: Yeah, it's obviously nice to get back outside. Um, it's still pretty tough, not knowing what we're going to be doing this year in terms of travelling away and things like that. So, trying to keep the guys motivated has been sort of like the hardest part uh, for us throughout the winter, especially. Um, but I think everyone's excited just to play again for their clubs and get back outside. We saw a slightly,
0: um, a slightly tweaked domestic kind of calendar last year obviously it was a very different year um yeah are you expecting at domestic level things to be extra competitive again this summer
4: yeah hopefully with people on Ireland uh, that made a massive difference last year um instead of rocking up and play, teams are missing two or three players everyone sort of pretty much had their you know not maybe not their full team but definitely not as depleted as normal years um we still don't know what's going on with obviously C R league this year or anything like that so You'd hope that people, you know, yeah, like you say, are keen to play local cricket.
0: I wanted to touch on the domestic stuff as well this summer, because, you know, and, and how it feeds into to international competition, because you've got this new European uh, Cricket League tournament, which, um, or, 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 you know, organisation, which Guernsey and Jersey are now part of, um, which means the winners of Evening League One this summer will go to a tournament in Spain uh, at the start of next year. I suppose travel permitting as you know, as ever at the moment. Uh is that something that you guys have talked about quite a lot? Is it you know it, you know it, it's if you're a cricket fan you'll have seen some of the clips from these tournaments going semi, sort of semi-viral. Some for good reasons, some yeah. perhaps for you know for for, for less so. But um, the closer that gets, is that something that could become a big part of, of, of Ireland cricket?
4: Potentially, I think, especially. I mean, I think it would all be in one, um, one, uh, one situation where obviously if we're going to this European tournament that means that ICC would be able to host an international tournament so what what I mean is I, I don't think it'll be a case of I don't think that'll ever become someone's priority because if they're going if the European tournament happens I'd imagine an ICC tournament would happen um, when it first got announced I think people got quite excited and I think it was meant to be last year I think it was meant to start last year so when we won even league we sort of spoke about it but then obviously it didn't happen due to COVID and it's sort of gone quiet to be honest with you I think um, see I, I don't think it is at the forefront of people's minds plus with amateurs living in Guernsey if you know if teams struggle to get players to play once a week so if someone's going to take two weeks off work to go to this European tournament to play I, I don't know how realistic that is to be honest well, me and Gareth will go yeah. <laughs> happily go to cover we'll, it we'll fill in, yeah, we'll fill in. But we sort of joked about there'll be a lot of tr- team transfers for the tournament just, <laughs> just for that week and then they'll be transferring back so <laughs> now nah, we'll see
0: and you know, I suppose it's you know, it's difficult in your role as captain to to pick out individuals and, and, and stuff for praise. But do you get the sense that there are some, some decent young players that could make a big impact this summer that, that you'll be looking at?
4: Yeah, well, I mean, that's one of the nice things with having such a young squad as well is, I mean, we've only got, th- I think, th- three three or four lads, if you include Hoops, who's in the UK, are at, uh, 30 or over. So actually, when we, when we speak about young lads coming through and sort of banging down the door to get in the team, that's great. But actually, at the same time, the actual core of our group now, we're still yet to extract the best out of. Um, we've got, you know, a lot. Our average age is probably mid twenties, which so you, again, on paper, that we could play for another ten years altogether. So, um, you know, I, I'd love nothing more than for you know a seventeen-year-old or an eighteen-year-old to rock up and not necessarily dominate local cricket, but you know, put his mark on it. Um, but I think across the board, I, I think there's there's so many areas where. If someone has a good domestic year, they automatically, you know, make a name for themselves in Guernsey cricket. I mean, when, whenever we pick teams and speak to players individually, I always try and say, when's the last time someone averaged 40 and didn't play in a Guernsey shirt? Never. You know, if you're averaging 40 or you're if you're playing well in local cricket, you're odds on going to be playing in a Guernsey shirt. If not, you're going to be in the squad. Um so, yeah, no, obviously, Luke Bichard was really the standout. He's come into the, the squad and fitted in nicely. He's improved. Obviously, he's a bowler, but he's, he's also improved his fielding. He's improved his work ethic and things like that, which what you look for in a youngster as well. You expect them to almost try and, you know, drive drive the team forward and, and you know, put a, new, put a new bit of energy into it, I guess. Um, there's obviously quite a few youngsters um, who have also impressed. Marcus Thomas is one, Charlie Clapham as well you know players like that i think the next few years for them will be key in the sense of you know there's a, there's a big step up from playing age group cricket up to senior cricket um so the next few years for them will be key in the sense of you know getting into the first team and and um, fulfilling a role in that in that first team so yeah and
2: one thing i want to ask from you more from your job more than anything um Firstly, sort of how is the ground at the KG5, since we're just about to start the season. It looks great from here, but um be interesting to hear your view on how it is. And um, and when you're batting out there, do you often think, oh, this isn't a great deck this year, uh, this this week or whatever? Or do you usually think, actually, I've prepared
4: an absolute belter here? Yeah, sometimes. I mean, <laughs> sometimes. I mean at the moment, it's, it's dried out a lot. I mean, yeah, like we said before, we're in the middle of a drought, so even since I've started work, summers tend to be drier and winters tend to be wetter and I always hear Stu talk about the weather from 20 years ago and all that and I'm just sort of like alright, oh, but I'm getting to the stage now where I'm sort of, remem- I'm, I'm finding it harder each year. The issue for us is going from football to cricket in the space of a week and a half, you know it's, you're taking the grass down 35 mil from when you're playing football and then, you know it's, it's bumpy, it's, it's massively bumpy out there at the moment, but the the more work you do to it either takes time money man hours so straight away like i say if if you're going from football to cricket in a week and a half you've got no time to renovate unless unless mark would like to push his calendar back which he doesn't so you know it is tricky but i i think we're still incredibly lucky to have a ground like this i mean my one of the one of the things i enjoyed the most about playing in the sussex league was rocking up and seeing some of the club grounds in the uk uh, because you would rock up and, you, and you'd look at it and you go, this, is, it's not a great facility. And I think living in Guernsey, across all sports and across all walks of life, if you like, we're incredibly lucky to have what we have. So, um, yeah, no, it's, it's, yeah, we work hard. We, we try and make it presentable and, and um, as good as we can, but we're, we're governed by mother nature and we're governed by time, we're governed by money. Um, so, yeah, no, in terms of the wickets, it's, You know when one's playing well and one's not. Um, Last year was a really good year for us in terms of how the wickets played. Each afternoon league game, if a team batting first either scored 300 or there was one game where the team scored 230 and it was chased down in 35 overs, so the wickets played really well. The year before that, when we played even league on grass, we did a calculation, we played 82 grass matches. Now we've got 11 strips, so you're playing eight games a strip. So when someone rocks up and says, oh, it's a bit dry, well, what do you expect? Uh, so this year, we've sort, we've sort of met in the middle. We're doing a round on, on the mat and a round on grass. So we've got 38 grass games this year, which still we've got 10 strips now. It's You're still getting a good four games out of each strip. So it's, it's a challenge for us because um, it's not as simple as wetting it and rolling it and using it that night. You know, a lot of preparation goes into it. So um, it's tricky for us, but it, yeah, it's great to see the ground being used and playing on grass for me is a lot nicer than than anything else but some people have different opinions but so if you don't score many runs this summer it's it's because
2: of you not the wicket yeah (laughs) and it's it's because of Mark's fixtures
0: Well, that was Kobo and Guernsey captain Josh Butler speaking to me and Gareth uh, at the KG5 under the sunshine there. And hopefully the sun comes out uh, for those first weekend championship matches on Saturday. Don't bet on it, Tony. Don't (laughs) bet on it. (laughs) We'll wait and see. Uh, Rob, uh, what are you looking forward to this weekend?
1: I'm looking to see the sun come out. Hopefully, there will be a bit of cricket and get down to the KG5 for an hour or up to the College Field for an hour before heading off to football at the track in the afternoon. To watch Bells play Rovers. Should be a decent game, competitive game. I think we might see Bells might sneak that one, but whether they can then go on and win against Saints in midweek and potentially um, deny Rovers' second spot, I'm not quite so sure. I think Rovers have probably just got enough to hang hang on in there but um yeah it's um finally getting towards the end of the season and i must admit whilst it's been um it's been some great football played and it's very very interesting it'd be good to have a little break from from football and be able to concentrate on cricket and golf and everything else all everything else summer wise anyway
0: yeah quite and um just a a word of rovers if they don't pick up all three points because that will hand the title to saints
1: it would indeed, um, but yeah, I, I think a club would like always would like to win the title on the pitch um, as opposed to um, winning it as somebody else, you know, their rival losing, um, um, but it could well happen, but I gather the trophy won't be presented next Wednesday, it'll probably be next weekend when St Saints are at home, I think the, the, the trophy will be handed over. And,
0: yeah, almost certainly will be picked up by Saints there. Gareth, you've got some basketball as well Friday night. Another another decisive match on the court.
2: Yeah, it's, it's sort of getting to that time of the, the winter season that um, all the big um, cups and titles are decided. And uh, Skipton play Mayside in the Men's Division 1. It's basically going to be a title-decider. We actually found out today that um, they're going to go on points, difference, whatever. They're not going to try and um, figure out a three-way playoff if it was needed. Um, Skipton will be favourites, I think, going into that one. Uh, Mayside gave them a good game last time out, but they do miss Jason Hooper, who's sort of like the star man of, of local basketball. But you never know. Um, if Mayside can get on a bit of a roll, um, it will put Skipton under some pressure. But I would, I would be backing Skipton in that one. Yeah,
1: there's one other big event, of course. Um this weekend it's not happening in Guernsey but it's in Nuneaton of all places but um, Alistair Chalmers starts his um, his Olympic bid and 400 hurdles and um, be inter- interesting to see how he goes on in that hopefully he gets good weather there's no strong winds in Nuneaton at the weekend because I've got a f- I've got a sneaky feeling Alistair's got it in him to come, come up and potentially nick a, um, a starting place in the Olympic team he is a class athlete very, very impressive. So I hope for his sake, there's no wind in Uneaton this weekend, and he can get a really fast time.
0: Yeah, he's definitely a sort of a, a, you know a man for the big occasions as well, isn't he? He loves the you know just loves a moment, and he definitely performs when it matters. Um, yeah, and I think he's going to be kind of in the mix with you know some of the some of the top names in the country. Obviously, you know, there's not many competitions happening around the place.
1: Yeah, he's clearly got to improve um, to get there, um, but uh, he's got the capacity to do so, there's, n- there's no doubt. and um, He believes in himself, which is always an important thing, and um, I'll say, given a fair fair conditions and a good race and a, you know, get the stride pattern right, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, I wouldn't put it past him.
0: Oh, we wish him all the best, and I'm sure we'll be hearing a lot more from him and his brother Cameron over the course of the summer, exciting uh, few months ahead for them. Well, that's uh, all from us for now. Thanks very much, chaps. Uh, As ever, thanks for listening. Do give us a rating or review wherever you get your podcasts and make sure you hit follow and subscribe if you're listening on the uh, Guernsey Press uh, website. We'll be back next Thursday with another Guernsey Press Sport podcast and on Monday um, with our football show. So, uh, yeah, for now, enjoy the weekend.
1: Cheers. Cheers, Tony.